Let me get a brew going. <sighs> okay, so. Is that a real beer? Is it a Dr. Pepper? No, it's actually a Dr. Pepper. I'm sorry. I just. <laughs> I doing this stuff uh, tired and, and, you know, boozed up isn't yeah. fun. So. Can't do it. <laughs> yeah. You want to wind up my j I get it. <laughs> it's okay. I'll edit that one. It's fine. So, um, so here's here's our uh, here's how we how we do all this. Um, ladies, five, five, four, four, three, three, two, two and one. Good evening, Habs Nation. Wow. Who would have thought that our winning streak would come? Wait, is this the second week of the new decade? It's actually the third week-ish of the new decade. <laughs> Either way, uh, we're coming at you after the uh, 2 to nothing shutout win by Le Canadien de Montréal over the much-beloved um, Calgary Flames. Just ask uh, Zach Cassian about that one. My name is David Auger. And I am at MetalDave01 on Twitter.com. I'm joined, as always, by Beth. Hello. Uh, I missed Happy Dave. Um, and I'm at <laughs> H-I-V-R-H-U-I-T on Twitter. I cannot lose this pen again. And Veronica. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm at C-H-I-L-E underscore Pepper on Twitter. And we are the Happy Hour at Happy Hour on twitter.com thank you for joining us and we also have one other person on the line with us currently he is the senior writer for uh the fourth period for the la area you can hear him on sirius xm's the hot stove on saturday mornings from 11 a.m to 1 p.m he is also the co-creator of uh kings of the pod at kings of the pod on twitter and an nhl reporter just to boot for all things LA, he is the go-to man for everything Los Angeles. Welcome to the happy hour, Dennis Bernstein. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to be with you guys. I can already tell this is going to be a lot of fun, so let's do it. <laughs> Absolutely, and and thank you for joining us on uh, such a short notice. Do. I don't know, Veronica, when do we get in touch with uh, poor Mr. Bernstein here? Uh, about a week or so ago. <laughs> yes, super short notice. No. I love Montreal. I love the, I love the fans. It's just, it's a privilege. I'm happy to talk Habs anytime. Great. Oh no, we're we're absolutely Montreal. thrilled. Um, what was the last time you were in Montreal? Um, the beginning of last season. I think the Kings opened up last mm. season in um, in Montreal. So I was there for this for the uh, opening night. I would have come this year, but that was the same time that the global series was going on in Stockholm, so instead of watching Adrian oh. Kempe not score goals in Montreal, I decided oh. to go to Tampa and uh, Ottawa play in um, in Stockholm. So no in kidding. Stockholm. But I will be in town for the uh, for the NHL draft, 100%. Oh, that would be super exciting. That's going to be quite yes. quite a weekend. Holy cow. Um, yep. Well, that just that just throws me off the tracks. Would you please tell us how hockey is in Stockholm? Since you know you're you had the yeah. feet on the ground there, uh, get, to walk us through the experience. It's fantastic. Actually, it's my third. It's my fourth global series. I've done it three times in Stockholm, and there's nothing to do with the good-looking people there. Nothing at all. And uh, nothing at in all. Helsinki. <laughs> um, they um, they love hockey. They are very educated. Everybody speaks English. It's clean. The only thing is that you know it gets dark at three thirty in the afternoon, yeah. which is kind of it's kind of rough. But Veronica's um, used to that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's right. Um, it 
it, the, the game sold out in 30 minutes, I think. So the, Ooh, it's wow. and they play about 13,000 seat arena uh, at the Erickson Globe. It's great. You know, this was a homecoming for this series because Tampa Bay was playing was all about Victor Hedman. What they always do, it's the focus on the Swedish players. Right, that that's who they basically oh, focus on. It's less about the teams, but more about the the actual homecoming of players. So, um, and Buffalo had it like Darlene and had uh, Marcus Johansson. So they they get the the brunt of the attention. It's a two game series. It's a long travel for these players, but they they don't seem to mind. They kind of get that that we do need to expand this game outside of North America. So it's a fun time. The fans enjoy it, and I had a great time. Yeah, that sounds uh, that sounds remarkable. Um, so for the Kings, then, if you could remind me, um, who on the Kings is uh, do we have as a Swedish-born uh, person? They don't have any Swedes. I was gonna say, I was like, I, I was, I was racking my brain there for a second. No Finnish <laughs> well, players do, as well. You know, I do more than yeah, I do more than you know. Because well, first of all, I'm on the air in Montreal every week with with Chris Nyland yes. on TSN ninety, and. Um, and, I, you know, doing this hot stove stuff, I got to cover the NHL. So the fact that it was like, I'll go to the All-Star game. I'm always in the cup final. I'm usually the first game and the last. So uh, while I'm, you know, I'm known for my King stuff, I have to be educated on the rest of the league because of my hosting duties on Sirius XM. And, I, you know, I have Montreal radio and I was on in Winnipeg um, this morning and then just finished up with Fan 590 in Toronto. So I really got to know a lot about the league. So it's not just about the Kings. Super. All right. Sounds good to me. So since we have um, ourselves, I, go ahead. Sorry. No, go uh, ahead. De, uh, Dennis, um, yes. there was another time that you were in Montreal last season, and I remember because I reached out to you because you were there with Dave Panyota. Yeah. And you were there. It was a pit. I think that you were there for two games, but one of them was against the Penguins. Yeah, that's correct. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Right. Yes. Oh, but you know what it was? That- it, it yeah. was, it, they were, because I think they, the Habs opened up on Thursday night, and then we stayed on Saturday, because what yeah. happened was the Kings went up going to Ottawa, so did we want to get get up at, you know, 4 o'clock in the morning, <laughs> drive to Ottawa for a 2 o'clock game, and watch the Ottawa Senators play, or do we want to watch Sid Crosby and the Habs play on Saturday night? Yes. And yeah. night in Montreal, so yeah, we were there for the first two games of the season, that's right, Veronica. And then, um, the, uh, Montreal beat the Penguins. Yes. And I remember that it, in the first intermission, you were on with the with the guys from TSN yeah. 690. Correct. Do you remember this? Um, no, yes. you don't remember this. I'll refresh your memory. Um, you mentioned <laughs> oh. something about <laughs> at the time. At the time, um, yes. the Penguins were winning the game, and you mentioned yes. how you know um, Montreal is playing a really good game and everything, but they just don't have the talent. And I remember that the Habs ended up winning. And I, when I, I reached out to you afterwards and I said, you, you were talking about the talent, but did you count for the character? <laughs> no. <laughs> hey, well, the team needs character right now, don't they? They have four oh, forwards. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, look, it's, it's challenging right now for this team. You know, you have a lot of offense out of the lineup. You had to go and get, you know, Ilya Kovalchuk, who, I always thought was would be a really nice fit there. The fans love him, and he he needed he didn't want his final days in the NHL to, to wind up what happened in Los Angeles. He needed to prove himself. He's been great, but yeah, sometimes it is about character, Veronica. I agree, and and, and believe me, if I was if I had a dollar for every wrong prediction, then I'd be driving <laughs> around the course, right? So it's it's not about. I hate predicting things like I predicted Buffalo to be the worst team in the league this year. Obviously, Detroit is. So uh, you know, it's it's about. <laughs> 
and it's about informing people. But I look at myself, I'm not the greatest writer in the world. I look at myself more like an entertainer. I have fun doing it. You I do are. tell me to I don't take myself too seriously like some media people do. Oh. Um, and I just try to have fun with it. And <laughs> like, the sport is because of the fans like you in Montreal. The pat- I, I just love going to games at Bell Center. I mean, it's so different than Staples Center. And look, uh, it's great here. I love living here. The arena is amazing. But the, the passion for the, that the fans have um, in Montreal uh, you know, is just – I wish I could – capture that and have that here in the states but it's not possible because of the the legacy it's the cradle of hockey in montreal so i just have a love and respect for it because you know i'm pretty old i go back to the days of jean beliveau and yvonne cornway and just remember watching those le- legends on my black and white tv in new york so it's always stuck with me and the fact that now I, i'm on the air in montreal weekly and i get to talk to habs fans interacting with twitter to me it's just it's it's just amazing it's it's kind of like one of my you know lifelong dreams to be, t- to be totally honest with you i would never have thought you tell me 25 years ago, I'd be on the end talking Montreal Canadiens hockey with Chris Nyland. It just wouldn't happen. So it's it's really been a blessing. So, and it's other than the Kings, I think I get the most response on social media from Habs fans. So I'm happy to talk about them. I'm, I'm pretty Perfect. educated about the team and what's going on with them. Yeah. Very awesome. much, and we're it's such a delight for us every time that you're on every week. I I make it I make sure that I listen. You. You're just great. So we Thank appreciate you. that. Yeah. Absolutely appreciate it. Now, um, since uh, the topic was breached, uh, we should talk about uh, Atlanta Thrasher's great uh, Ilya Kovalchuk a bit there. Sure. What a shock, sort of, that the Habs picked him up. I mean, the reasoning is all there, but of all the names that come out of, you know, uh, the press <laughs> that came out was the Habs signed Ilya Kovalchuk for league minimum, and not only that, yeah. a two-way deal. And this, yep. and this is after the fact that uh, once all the fallout uh, from L.A. occurred and Kovalchuk's, you know, uh, not playing for two weeks, he had mentioned, I believe, that, well, if I want to go to a team, I want to go to a contender. Now, the Habs, mm. that's an interesting term to put on the Habs currently. We know we had the eight-game losing streak in November. We just ended right. the eight-game losing streak now. <laughs> the first, I might add, in the century and ten years of Habs history... I did the math, um, ever, but without, but regardless of all of that stuff, Kovalchuk decided to come here. Bergevin decided to give Kovalchuk a chance, and wow, is Kovalchuk gets slotted right into the top line with Galley out. Galley comes back, he goes down to the second line. He is giving responsibility on the power play, and er, I don't know so much on the penalty kill, actually, but regardless, they're relying on him heavily for things and Kovalchuk <laughs> I I didn't think he would have that much uh, gas left in the tank but here he is he's looking great out there yeah well Dave, yeah a couple of things so um like he know he wanted to play for a contender and when he came back originally and he signed that three-year deal that was it you know it was Dallas it was Boston it was LA um and just didn't work here primarily I mean some of it was his fault because he is a one-way player. He's not a defensive player, right? I mean, right. but you know that when you signed up to get him, he wasn't. You weren't worried about his coursey or him back checking. It was. It was to help the, a team that struggled in offense that had gotten knocked out of the playoffs by Vegas and I think scored two goals in four games, right? So on yeah. theory, on theory, it made sense, right? It didn't work here primarily because 
when you look at the Kings depth chart behind Andre Kopitar, they have nothing behind them at center. So Kovalchuk never really had the facilitator that he needed to be effective on, on his team. They didn't want to play him on a power play because they liked the way Adrian Kempe would give them zone possession and get into the zone uh, with his own entry. So he was just not a fit here. Like, did I not think he had the skill? No, because he still had his one-timer. He still had a passion for the game. And for people that said he was a washed-up bun, Dave, like, I saw him practice hard. I know when he, they sat him out in November and he didn't play the last 12 or 15 games, he was in the press box every night. I talked to the players. Everybody loved him. He's a gym rat. He works out. He's in great shape. He's a, he's a really good teammate. So he needed another shot. And you know, the, the first go around, the story goes, is that Bergevin was not interested in him. But when all these injuries hit, he was their best option. It didn't cost him yeah. anything. And I agree with the two. So Ilya was going to come no matter what. Like, he needed a team to just give him the contract and say, here's the contract. It'll sign he wanted to prove himself. Are they a contender? Yeah, they're more of a contender than Los Angeles is. They're more contender than Anaheim is. So I think it's a nice fit. I think the fact that it's a passionate fan base and and they're just begging for him to do anything. I mean, you heard the first game at home. They were so excited to have him on the game, uh, on the ice, and making those end to end rushes. I think they'll be effective. Now, the other question is, guys, is that you know when the players do get healthy, when Gallagher comes back, when Armia comes back, right? When Juan comes back, like does that do they have a spot for him? No, because at that point. He's going to be on the third or fourth line. I'm not sure that's really going to work. So in the short term, it cost Bergevin nothing. It's a no. It was a no-risk move that, despite some people who think he's a washed-up bum, this has worked out. Now, the one, two, and one with him. And I got some guys in Los Angeles saying, well, you know, they haven't won with him. I'm like, well, you know, there is a situation where a player can play well and the team loses because that's what happened. I mean, you're talking oh. about 20 minutes oh. a night for mm-hmm. Ford. He's everything they needed at this point in time, and he's been productive. Not sure it's going to last that long, like I said, with the injured players come back. But you should enjoy this player who has almost 500 career goals and just enjoy the passion and the the vigor they plays for. And look, you guys saw when he scored that overtime goal in Ottawa, he was thrilled. But I think his his teammates were more thrilled for him. So you yes. can see how much he's loved there. So you can see that he's a, a really good guy, good guy in the room. And just, you know, hopefully he can help this team in the short term and until they get on the men when they have a full team. For sure. I remember uh, when he was uh, first signed up, I was thinking off the cuff because I wasn't, it was, you know, knee-jerk reaction. Wow, I can see Ilya and Thompson filling out a very dangerous fourth line <laughs> with perhaps, um I don't know, like, once people are healthy, probably paling on the wing, and that'd be quite a fourth line for Montreal, I would think. Uh, maybe a little questionable on defense as is, because knowing Claude, he wants to have a reliable yes. um, fourth line down there. But I mean, still, what a what an option. Regardless, having Ilya Kovalchuk, mm-hmm. you know, once uh, people get healthy. And look, when they signed, they had Jordan Wheel and Nick Cousins as the two right wings. Yeah, top two right wings. It's, it's, it's a, it's a no brainer to mm-hmm. be honest with you. If it yeah. works out in the short term, they win some games. He produces for them. That's fine. And then what happens when the guys get healthy, whatever. I mean, he's on a two way deal. It costs them nothing. So you'll just have to, you got to take it day by day with Ilya Kovachuk and with respect to his, what his standing will be with the Habs. For sure. Yeah. We'll just have to see. Cause uh, I believe it's anticipated after the all-star break because uh, the Habs have their bye week next week. Um, right. Let's see. After then, we should be expecting, quote unquote, uh, Drouin and Byron to be coming back. And mm-hmm. those are two huge pieces when it comes to yeah. the abs. Or me sure. and Gallagher, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of yeah. course. Of course. And, you know, one of the things that we mentioned was that um, 
what was it there? So the Habs had their slumps and whatnot, especially when Drouin and Byron went down in November. And a lot of people were saying, you know, the defense is bad, the defense core, we need that that strong left D. But man, when when you take into consideration Drouin uh, playing the way that he was before he was injured, yes. he was playing a 200-foot game, easy. Uh, Armia is the same way. Once you lose, and Byron, put all three of those players out with their huge back checks, the defense has to almost work like double time, it seems. So once they're back, you know, we'll probably, you can expect like a more complete system out of the team. Uh, and, and to be honest with you guys, the defense has been, Shane Weber's had a great season. Ben mm-hmm. Chariot, he yep. found Ben Chariot. I'm like, what a fun. I love Flory. Cam Flory is going to be a really good player. Um, Kulak's been okay. Marco Scandell is going to help. So it's not been about the defense. You know, Carey, look, here's the thing. If you're going to stay in contention until those players come back, Carey Price got to be Carey Price. Mm. He can't be the he can't be the eight, 898 save percentage Carey Price. Can't do it. Garrett carried the team. And I'll be honest with you. Look, the fact that, that you know, Ryan Pulling actually scored a goal tonight, you have to be um, happy about that. But look, and I've said this on, on Montreal Radio before. Right. We can talk about the defense. We can talk about the wingers coming back. Right. Until Mark Bergevin goes out and gets a number one center, this is always going to be a struggle. We're always going to be talking about are the Cabs going to make the playoffs or not, no matter how good Carey Price is, no matter how great way Shea Weber is, until he figures that out how to do it. And I know we tried with Sebastian Ajo, guys, but when you look at this team and you look, even when they're healthy, when you do match them up in the middle against contending teams, they're not the better team in the middle. And that's the issue. So you can talk about Jesperi Kakanyemi. You can talk about Palin. You can talk about Nick Suzuki. And Phil Denno's a solid guy. He's not a number one center. And the thing about it is, when you talk about Bergevin as a general manager, if you look at all his trades, he's basically won every single trade he's made. Right? But yeah. until that one center comes to Montreal, and I don't know how he does it, but he's got to do it. But we're going to have this conversation in February, March. Because you know what? You have eight-game losing streaks because you don't have an Andre Kopitar or a Mark Shifley or a Nick Backstrom on your team. That's why you don't have that one horse that can, or John Tavares that you can plug in there for 20 and 21 minutes who can carry the team. That's the challenge with this team, and that's why I think there's a certain sense of frustration from Hat fans is that we're always having the same conversation. Are they good enough? Well, they might be good enough if Carey gets hot and the wings score and, and Juan comes back, maybe – maybe we can make the postseason, right? Because mm-hmm. pound for pound, they don't compare with Boston or uh, or Tampa Bay or Washington. And until that number one center comes to town, um, it, it's going to be a struggle. They're going to be a bubble team. And the problem with that is, guys, and you know this, they had one number three draft choice. And look, I would have picked Brady Kachuk, but that's, you know, that's after the fact. Uh, you got to be bad for a couple of seasons to get the top draft choices, right? To get the one or second overall, whatever. It happened in, in Toronto when they got Austin Matthews and Mitchell Marner. And, and I'm not sure that the fan base or the market will allow this team to be really, really bad for a couple of seasons. But the, the kiss of death in this league is like when you're eighth or ninth in the conference every year, you never draft high. Mm-hmm. And it's tough because they've traded well. Um, you know, free agency, yeah. I'll debate players but got coming. Look, the fact that Jake Gardner says he didn't want to come to Montreal, I don't think every free agent is scared of coming to Montreal. I think that a player like Artemi Panarin, I think if the money was there, he would have done it. I know the taxes are tough. I know all this other stuff. But you know what? It's Montreal and their championships. And you look at the banners up 
in the rafters at the Bell Center. So I think there's a lot of good things. But I think that the biggest part of the biggest challenge for this team in the organization is, is to find that number one center. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, one well, of one of the just one thing really quick. The um, a good example of that would be the Pittsburgh Penguins. Doesn't matter who gets injured on that team, and they're in the postseason almost every year. Cindy Crosby's down for what is it now? At least a month so far. And if Genny Mulkin comes to uh, you know really put the whole t- whole Pens team on their back, but at the same time, mm-hmm. the Pens also seem to have a luxury over in Wilkes Bear where they can bring up anybody and they just fit right in. It's an interesting system. I'm always curious about how the pens do it, but um no, that's a good point. That that once that number one center, the the game-breaking offensive guy for the Habs don't quite have that kind of player. And you're right. Well, and what I wanted to ask you Dennis is um yeah. because Yes, you do have a point about bringing that number one center to Montreal, and that's one of the reasons that I happen to think that Mark Bergevin definitely has the hardest GMing job in the league, and that we are a Mark Bergevin appreciation podcast. Uh-oh. Um, we don't think we don't think that he's perfect, but we we okay. support him. Um, but I just I, I do think that because I know what I know what you're saying. It's Montreal and and the championships and the legacy and the history there and everything else, but when it comes time free agents free agents don't want to come to montreal so and then that's part of the bipolarity among the fan base is they get upset about losing but then and then they say they want to tank but it makes them angry and angrier to lose and tanking doesn't guarantee anybody lafreniere and i I just i don't understand how they're going to lure um, free agents to Montreal because it, it is a you have to identify those players that are like Max Domi and you know the players that really want to mm. be in that sort of a pressure market um, and and you know it's either that or you know get somebody in a trade but who who's who's going to trade a number one yeah. setter. I know, but it's since this is a Mark Bergevin appreciation podcast, <laughs> he, he, he has to get that done. That's that's why he's getting. That's why he has a long term contract. That's why he gets paid millions of dollars to figure that out. Is it trading Brendan Gallagher in a high pick? No. Is it, well, no, 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 <laughs> no. no. <laughs> you because look, you can replace wingers. It's hard to replace centers, right? I, I mean, I. I Watch the Habs for years. They've never had the number one cent win. Saku Koivu, I mean, you, you yeah. back a long, long time, right? So I think that Mark, and, and Mark was able to get the Domi trade for Galchenyuk. What a what a win that was. And the Max Pacioretty trade looks great with Tatar. So mm-hmm. I'm not criticizing his trades because it's been good. You can criticize maybe, look, I know somebody put up a graphic about their, their first round draft choices. I think the last, there were seven in a row that aren't with the team anymore. So you could criticize maybe Trevor Timmons and the, the, the scouting staff there, but you've got to figure out a way to do it or else you're going to be stuck in this. In, and, and yeah. you know, to, I get the part about not lowering free agents, but there is a salary cap and not every player can go to the Rangers or the Bruins or the Kings or whatever the team has money. There is a salary cap. Somebody should be able to go. And you know what? He could have structured the Sebastian Ajo deal differently. He could have offered him $11 million a year for seven years, right? And he didn't do that. So there, there, there are ways to do it. You got to figure out a way to do it. It's as simple as that. So, and I'm not, I'm not saying he should be fired or anything like that. But I'm saying until that point in time happens where you have that horse that you can ride through these eight game losing streaks that will turn them into two or three game winning streaks, right? 
it's going to be a struggle for this team because that's where when that's where winning happens, right? I mean, that's look at the uh, the Conn Smythe winner, Ryan O'Reilly, right? Look down, you know, a couple hundred miles east, you got Jack Eichel in Buffalo. I mean, you, there's got to be a you got to figure out a way to do it. It's as simple as that. If you don't, I think they're going to be stuck in this 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 bubble team cusp situation every season. I think that he's started to, you know, he's he's paving the way. I think that uh, the acquisition of Shea Weber was a really big one because that that oh, room yeah. needed a culture change. And, and as Mark Bridgman has said, he, you know, as long as Shea Weber's the captain of that team, he's not worried about that room. And I just saw a really good tweet on Twitter, too, saying because, you know, it is um, kind of like a, a bit of a side sport among Habs fans to find something to complain about. <laughs> but yes. um, our friend at, Cal- at Calgary Habs is tweeting out, uh, uh, he's sending out a bunch of really good tweets, and he says, to all of the trolls <laughs> trying to belittle all of the character-related traits, calling them a failure, we've had two record-esque losing streaks, and tell me where are the dressing room risks or where the player drama is. Exactly. So that that that's a start, I think. And now people want to trade Shea Weber too, in their desperation to somehow make the playoffs one more time. But I think that that's the last move Bergevin would ever make. No, and look, a couple of things. Like this pursuit of a number one center, it's not going to happen this summer. You know why? Well, the draft's in Montreal, mm-hmm. and you're not trading your first round pick in Montreal, right? No. When the draft is here. So forget that. It, it, yes. it won't happen. There'll, there'll be riots. It, it just won't happen. Right. So uh, that's not going to happen now. I don't think so. And the only way you could do that is with maybe you package your 2021, you know, with some players or something like that. But you got to pull off a big trade to do it. And, you know, will he get the clearance to do it? Will would it strip the team? I think at this point in time, when you look at the, the roster, you could probably do it because there are players in the pipeline, but they're good. Like, they're not game breakers, right? I don't see any of these players that are game breakers. Like, Nick Suzuki's a nice player. Good kid can play the wing, can play center, but you need that game breaker. And if you got to package some of these prospects or a couple of high picks to do it, you do it. I think, it, or, or you may get a conditional pick or something like that. It just, it, to me, it's it's something that that needs to be done. I'm not sure how you do it, and I agree with the Shea Weber because last time I checked, the guy they traded Shea Weber before <laughs> got traded again. And now he's in a losing situation in, Mon- in in New Jersey, and he's not producing. So mm-hmm. I think that's that's a. Imagine if he was still here, making nine million dollars a year. Like oh, I think there'd be a lot oh. more. And and there would probably be locker <laughs> issues at that point in time. Oh my so I think God. anybody arguing about that trade is is really off base. And Shea's been great, and Shea's played well because I think the issue with Shea was he's getting older. He's a big guy. He's not healthy all the time. Shea's been healthy. He's been a leader. I think that that's a huge trade win for Mark Burzvine at this point in time. When you look what, what's happening with PK in New Jersey, mm-hmm. I mean Agreed. there there would be editorials in every paper in Montreal. <laughs> there would be jersey yeah. burnings. It would be a, it'd be a fiasco. Yeah. There would be toilet paper yeah. on the statues. It'd be awful. It'd be well, crazy. Well, the irony is that PK is now the same age that Shea was when we got him in Montreal. Right. And, you know, the, the, the knock against him was he was in the decline and all that stuff, you know, all the miles in those legs, et cetera, et cetera. Look at him now. He's three years older and he's in the Norris conversation. He had like yeah. five shots on goal in the <laughs> first <laughs> four shot? minutes of the game. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. You know, of course, it's lucky, but it's like he's he's going for it. So good for him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
He's got 32 points in 46 games. I mean, come on. What else do you want from the player? Absolutely. Well, he's he's in a leadership position, and the young kids, and that's one of the reasons that I think that uh, one of the knocks against Claude and Mark was, um, look at all these young kids. Why why are you rushing them up so soon and bringing them up to the big club instead of sending them to the to Laval? And I think, mm-hmm. look at if being in a room with Shea Weber. What kind of development is that? Like, it's right. excellent. Right. And plus, you look, you throw them in there when these players get healthy, the injured players, then you send them back down. You know, Suzuki can go back down. Palin can go back down. But the the experience they're getting right now, and the especially when it's tough, you know, the team yes. was winning on eight-game winning. It would be easy. But this is hard. These are hard lessons that guys like Paling and Suzuki and Gail Flurry are learning right now. So when the, when the forwards get healthy, they have to go back down. They, they've grown so much from this experience. It's invaluable. Like, even though it's tough right now and they're out of a playoff spot and it doesn't look great for the postseason, I think next season when you look at these players, they're going to be so much better because from game one, they're going to be ready. And especially Paling, who's gone, who had, a you know, that storybook hat trick at the end of the season. He hasn't done anything this season, right? I think he's just grown by the adversity. And that's the that's where character comes in, guys. Not when you're winning yeah. and the veterans are carrying you. It's when you're losing and you're not producing. What do you do? How do you get out of it? So, and yes, Claude's a tough guy, right? He's a really tough guy. He's you know he's not a warm and friendly guy with respect to uh, you know coaching. So, but a lot of times your best teachers in school were your hardest ones. So I think that guys like Suzuki, Flurry, and and uh, um, and Palin, as I mentioned, they're going to grow exponentially because of the ex- experience they get this season. Absolutely. And Kotkaniemi as well, who's who's um, been given a really tough time uh, in the Montreal media yeah. this season. He's he's resurging and he's he's been doing nothing but improve since he was improving even before his injury, his concussion there by the yeah. uh, that Colorado Avalanche guy. And um, when he came back, he's he's showing steady improvement. He's still a 19 year old. 19 he's and still a half. Into his body. He's 19 <laughs> and a half. According and, to Pierre Lebrun. You know, he's another one too. <laughs> But he has to start producing. That's the problem. When you have the third overall pick and he's got, what, six, two, and eight in 31 games. I get it. I understand it. He's young, like the pressure on the market. But, you know, he should have progressed from that season last season. He had 11, 23, 34 last season. He should have he should have built off that. And he has it. Now, is it part of it because his wingers are hurt and they're not there? Possibly. But... I'm I'm a little disappointed in this play, and I get it. The last, yeah, no, I am. He should be better. He should. He should be, he, he's the third overall pick. You could have had Brady Kachuk, okay? And so also, Brady, if we want to, if we want to, if we want to look at the uh, that draft too, look at Svetstikov. Yeah. I mean, holy crap, what a player he's, he turned out to be. Yeah. And I get it. They drafted positionally. I get it. I understand it. For sure. Yep. Right. But now I can criticize it because, you know, I look at the other players and he's not producing. But I think next season, because now he'll have two seasons in North America under his belt. Mm-hmm. Right? I've advocated for him going back to Finland last year. I was on with I was on with the um, Habs lunch with the Tony Manarinaro and, and Mitch Milk, all those guys at the beginning of the season. I would have sent them back after 10 games last season. They didn't. He's got an experience. He had a decent year last year. But I think next season, you got to see a breakthrough for this player. You, this player's got to be a 40 or 45-point player next season. I think that's essential for him. Or else, you know, then he's a third or fourth line center, which I don't think you want drafting number three when you drafted him. Yeah, absolutely not. Adding to his struggles this season is he, he's he's been out twice with injuries. 
yes particularly when he wasn't when he wasn't doing when he was struggling so i mean that's a lot that's a lot to get your mind around when you're that age my son is that age he's a boy so this is a Mark Bergeron and Jesperi Kankanyemi film. <laughs> You're going to find a lot of names that are appreciated on this podcast, sir. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Great. How many Montreal Canadian podcasts can go on what's going to be this positive? One. Well, that's they're positive. I'm the one that's a negative Nancy. But tonight's a good night. I'm feeling pretty good tonight. Last oh week, oh I was God. throwing stuff, oh so. Guys, 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 guys. So Arpin Basu just posted a conversation that he had with uh, Yesberry Kakinyemi on Twitter. <laughs> and Arpin Basu said, are you surprised he sent you out to take a face off on your weak side? Um, that's in reference to Ryan Paling's goal. And uh, KK said, I don't have a weak side. Oh! Arpin said, no, wait. Arpin okay. said, you don't have a weak side? Okay. KK said, both sides are bad. Oh, jeez. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, you have to give the kid credit for some self-aggreciation. He knows where he has to work. <laughs> no, but I, I can understand. If you get a third overall pick, you want him to be a stud player. And, like, half of that is also deployment. It's also the trust that Claude has in Kotkaniemi. A lot of it's, um, you know, who are his wingers? Even when uh, he was with Lekin and Armia, two great wingers, we weren't getting the points out of Kotkaniemi. So... Yeah, next year really has to be a bit of a an evaluation sheet on um on our sweet baby yeah. eagle. So, eagle, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll have to see how it works yeah. out. Um, I have a question for Dennis, but it's a bit of a subject change. Oh, geez, please. Oh, um, so I've seen um, some fans saying that the Habs should hire a president of hockey operations. Um, mm-hmm. And I wanted to get your opinion on that, like whether, like you think that'd be a good idea, whether you think that the organization would do that, et cetera. Um, I don't think the owner's inclined to do it. I think he's. I think still Bergevin has his full trust, and he has faith in him. And and and, and I mean, who would you hire, Brian Burr? I mean, I, I I think that Mark's done a fine job. If Mark's like really. And I mentioned the trades. If he was like getting beat on every trade, I'd say, okay, maybe, right? So I don't think so. I don't think it's necessary. I think Mark's been around there, and I think he tries hard. I think he works hard. Um, and he like, you know, and he turned. Look, a year ago, like with, with you know, with the Max Pacioretty thing, that was going to be a disaster, mm-hmm. right? And he he turned that into gold, right? So that alone tells me that he can stand in there when the times are tough, uh, have his head about him and make a, make a smart trade to get him out of a situation. Because it was tough. You know, Max changed agents at the end. And it wasn't good. And that golf tournament outing and all that other stuff that was really bad. I'm like, whoa, this is going south. What really a fast. circus. And <laughs> bringing back memories. <laughs> yes, we yeah. did. Real bad. So the fact that he turned that into Tatar and Suzuki and another part, I mean, that that's just to me. So I get it. I understand it. I, I think it's... It's about expectations. I think at some point in time, um, if you're going to do that, then you then that that person would bring in their own GM. So if you're going to say we need yeah. to do that, bring in a president mm-hmm. hockey operation, then then Mark Bergevin is not going to be the GM. It's as simple as that. So I don't I don't think we're at that point yet because it's not as as I mentioned. But you know what? Um, a couple things got to pop here. Let's see what he does at the trade deadline. He's got that cap space. I'm not sure what he does with it. And that's what he sees what where they land and with respect to the standings, how he drafts and what he does in free agency. So I, I'm I don't think he's inclined to make it. I don't think 
Jeff Molson's inclined to make any changes. And I don't think that, I mean, look, if I was Mark Bergevin and they put a guy up above me and underneath Jeff, I'd be getting my resume together because they're telling me yeah. that, that I'm not the right guy yeah, for the job. That's a good point. And, yeah. um, and, but look, Mark, Jeff's been incredibly patient. He gave him a, a six-year contract. Mm. He stuck by it. Um, and from what I understand, he's sticking by this player. Now, the thing is, when you look at the standings right now, there's about four or five teams ahead of the Habs. But I think right now, the way they look at it, they don't really think Buffalo's a threat. They don't think the Rangers are a threat. So they've got two or three teams they could pass. So if they can just you know, tread water here, until those players come back, and then maybe add another offensive player at the trade deadline. I think that's a strategy right now. So for fans that may maybe want to sell a, a player or two once we get to the deadline, unless they have another eight-game losing streak between now and February 24th, Oof. I think they're going to try no. try to water, make up a little bit more, more gain a little bit more ground in the, in the uh, playoff race, and then maybe make one move for an offensive player come February 24th. Mm-hmm. To yes. add some uh, to add some context to that, right now uh, Habs are sitting six points behind Florida, who have the last wild card spot. So yeah, yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be a climb. But I mean, like you said, Buffalo uh, they might skid, Columbus they might skid. So it's um yeah, and then well, again the Rangers and, as well. And it's uh, and yeah, Toronto is Toronto's on a three game losing streak right now. They're only seven points behind Toronto. Uh, Toronto, yeah. I think, has a game in hand. But look at the injury they have now. Oh, and no. what are they going to do? They have no money. Oh, what are they going to do? Oh, gosh. So terrible. Well, I mean, <laughs> that's another thing that, you know, that nobody had considered when at the turn of the decade, everybody decided that the Habs were over. Everybody was nailing the nails in, in, in their coffin. Mm-hmm. But now look at what's happening. So that's another well, interesting I, I, wrinkle. I think it's like you got to win the in-division game. The four-point games they win yeah. the division. You basically got to win all of them at this point in time, up until the trade deadline. And you know, they still have a bunch of home games ahead of them. But I, I think by the middle of next month, because there's a stretch after the All-Star break where they have like that two weeks where they have a lot of home games, they're gonna have to win most of them. And at that point in time, so that might be a signal by the time we get to like February 15th, nine days out from the trade deadline, if they've lost a majority of those games that may flip and they they may have to start selling some players. But I think at this point in time, they they think that they can make up ground. Uh, on a couple of teams uh, by just treading water, and like I said, then they might look at exploring adding another offensive player come the you know come the deadline. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm down. That's the plan. Okay, we'll have to hear that. Mm. So let's see. I wanted to uh, ask something out. So with you being an LA guy, you know, uh, in, in the beat there, on top of everything else that goes around, uh, goes along with the mm-hmm. NHL. How much can you glean from what went on with the Kings and Ilya Kovalchuk? Like, why why did that fall apart like it did? Um, why did it fall apart like it did? Uh, okay, a couple of things. It's not just the team's fault. Here's the here's the problem with Ilya, and I think if you watch the game, you'll see that Ilya is such a freelancer. He's like a rover in football. He's all over the place. <laughs> he is not. He's not the guy. And look, and part of the issue was. The Kings had a new coach, Tom McClung, who I love, who's amazing, who's a great guy. I think he's the right guy in the right place. He's trying to put structure in a team. And Kovalchuk is an unstructured player. He's not the guy that goes up and down the wing like Jordan Wheel or Nick Cousins. He's all over the ice. It, and I've talked to Kopitar about this, who I'm, I'm pretty close with. He said, then, like, it, it's it's hard to anticipate where Ilya is on the, on the ice or when you're playing with him. He's such a freelancer, and it just didn't work. And if you couldn't play with Kovalchuk, if you couldn't play with Kopitar, and didn't work chemistry-wise, 
there was no other center. They had Michael Amadio, Adrian Kempe, an older Jeff Carter, Blake Lazat. They didn't have the player, the center that he needed to facilitate getting shots and opportunities. If you watch Ilya, and the great thing about his game is he's a great passer. If you oh, watch him on the my play, God, his pass yes. is amazing. He still has that skill. So why it didn't work? Well, the team isn't any good, right? They have 40 points in 47 games. They want to get younger players in the line. And remember, let's go back to when they signed him. I think that's the whole genesis of it. When they signed him, they were swept out of the first round by Vegas. I think they scored two or three goals in the first round. They still they thought they had a contending team, a 98-point team. And they thought that adding one more player with just money and not trading for Max Pacioretty or Jeff Skinner, they decided to go that route. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now... 13 games of the season. They were 4-9. The John Stevens got fired. They put a coach in who was inept in Willie DeJarin, and the thing fell apart. At that point in time, they were no longer contenders. Um, there wasn't really a use for it. It didn't fit in. The coach didn't know what he was doing. You bring in a new coach who is structured and who was trying to put in structure, and you have an unstructured player, and the team is losing again. So they made a decision not to play him anymore, and he missed 12 or 13 games because they wanted guys like, you know, um, like Austin Wagner, Adrian Kempe, and Blake Lozat to play. So the choice was to go to youth, um, and they just tried to make a trade for him. Nobody wanted him because of his price tag, and the Kings are on the hook for his $6.25 million cap hit next season. So certainly nobody wanted him then. Um, it, was a, it was a cap recatcher situation. It was a plus 35 contract. So I think it was just on paper, the theory in year one made sense. It just didn't work. And they tried yeah. to cut their losses, try to make a trade, and so now – He's on a minimum deal with Montreal. So I don't think the, – the, the thing about it is he can still play in this league. He can still be competitive. He's a great teammate. He's not a cancer in the room. He will not be disruptive in this room for Claude. He will be a good teammate. He'll do what he's, as he's told. You just have to find the right combination of players to play with him, and he can still be effective, I believe. Now, he's going to – I don't even know if he's going to end the season in Montreal because we've mentioned that before about the injuries and the wingers mm-hmm. coming back. That may not be a spot for him, but I just think it was, in theory, it sounded good. Plus, I'll be honest with you, Ilya, the Ilya who left five seasons ago, he missed five, he was away for five seasons. It's a different league. He's a different player, right? You need certain things that the Kings couldn't support him, and they weren't a good team. Like, you can't have that type of one way player on a bad team, especially a bad defensive team, because then. He looks like he's a bad defensive player when it was about structure and the goaltending wasn't good. So I don't think there was anything. It wasn't anything. Uh, it wasn't lack of effort. He's not a defensive player. But you know what? And I think Dan Robertson said it the other day on the broadcast. Oh, I don't of the care. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't care if one of my 23 guys doesn't come back on every shift and play defense. If one guy wants to go up the ice all the time and just try to go to school, I'll live with that if the rest of my team is good. And I think the Kings couldn't live with that. Mm-hmm. I think the Hats can live with it. I think they're a better structural team. They're just a better team at this point in time. So I think that you can you can, you can, can allow for that. And, and certain players and certain coaches and certain teams won't allow for that. So I think it was, it was just a perfect storm that went south for Kovalchuk. And like I said, I'm not surprised that he's been happy and productive in his short time in Montreal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Sounds good to me. And- Okay. And I'm not a coach, but <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't it be uh, 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 what's that word? Uh, anyway, good to keep him around, even just for special teams. 
or at least on the power yeah, side? Yeah, 100%. And then, it's a great point. See, this is what I advocated. I advocated like, all right, so don't play him 17 minutes or 18 minutes a night in Los Angeles. Put him out on every power play because their power play was like 28th or 29th. Yeah. And set him up, put him in situations where he can win. Offensive zone face-offs at the end of periods. Like, you know, just offensive zone starts. Don't put him in his own zone where you don't think he's going to play defense. So, yeah, they could if you get four power plays a night, that's eight minutes, and you play him, you pick your spots and play him a couple other shifts, and go to him and say, hey, look, we still want you on the team. We want you as an offensive specialist. So you're not going to get a lot of minutes, but you're going to get an opportunity to score goals. You up for that? Yeah. Could Claude do that? He could. I'm not sure he will because he's not that type of coach. But, yes, mm-hmm. that's a great point, that if you put him in a situational position, which we don't see in the NHL, that's the other problem, right? It, the, the fourth line guys got to be good defensively, got to come back on their checks, got to be you know a little bit tougher, a little bit more sandpaper. He's not that player. But I'd like to see somebody experiment with him. And maybe it's not Montreal. Maybe it's Boston. Maybe it's another team. As they're probably scouting him right now. And put him in those situations where, you know, you got to defend that player on the power play. Like, I don't care. I mean, yeah. I, I wanted him in Los Angeles to line up in the circle like Ovi does and take his one-timer, which is still effective. And they didn't want to go that route. Um, they'd rather have, you know, a guy like Alex I follow on left wing, which, right, you know, he's a right. nice player, but he's not a, he's not that. he. You don't defend – you don't prepare your penalty kill to defend Alex Ayafalo. You would defend Ilya Kovalchuk. So I think that's it. So that's a great point that if they had used him situationally, it could have worked out here, but it just didn't. So maybe, you know, the Habs do it, or maybe once we get to the full health of the Canadians, maybe another team will do it. Right. Yeah, I kind of wonder now that we're talking about, like, hey, what would it take to get a number one center? Why not package Ilya and Tatar and two first-rounders in the coming years for a, for a stud player? Interesting decisions ahead for the Habs, depending on how things go. I wonder. Yeah, well, look, uh, you know, I always look at Tampa Bay. They got a lot of talent. Maybe a guy like Tyler Johnson or somebody like Ooh. that. Maybe mm-hmm. just an upgrade, right? I mean, if you put Tyler Johnson with, with Phil Deneau, you got something. You got an offensive play with a responsibly defensive play. And I like Phil Deneau. I like him. I think he's he, that trade with Chicago was great for him and great oh, for yeah. the organization, right? But it's just, it's not enough. It's not enough when you got to go up and play against, you know, Tavares and and, and Matthews, or you got to play, you know, uh, Backstrom and Kuznetsov. It, it, it's it's just not enough what they have right now. So maybe you got to look at teams that are going to be cap strapped and maybe want to move a center, or you got over. You know, here's the thing: as painful it might sound, maybe you overpay for a player. One player, you overpay. You you empty the you empty the vault and you give a, a team what they want if they want to move on from a player. Maybe that's what Bergerman has to do. It might be very painful, but it will solve a problem that you won't have to talk about for the next five years. Just as long as we don't end up in a Kyle Dubas situation where you're screwed if you if you run into trouble because you have no cap yeah. space. Like, isn't he saving his cap space to pay Max Domi, et cetera, et cetera? There's yeah. a lot of guys coming up for. I know, but look, but you're not going to pay Max $12 million a year like no, you're paying some of no. right? yes. And they paid four guys that, and they still don't have any defense. Oh, so, my uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> And then right? what's his nuts is out. Yeah. Uh, Tess's Tess boyfriend. Morgan yeah. Morgan Riley's out, right, and Jake yeah. Muzzin's out. It, it's, it's a plot. They don't play defense anyway. I mean, now they're going to have, you know, Tyson Barry's going to take the spot for that Morgan Riley has. But I just think I get paying these other players and saving cap space and stuff. But again, it, it's even if you extend Max and give him the money and he's been great for the team and he loves playing there, all those great things. Like Max's Max cap hit is 3-1. 
Max ain't going to twelve million dollars from three one. I'm sorry. I mean, you know, it's it's he's an arbitration eligible free agent. Um, they don't even have to wait to do it this this next off season, right? And you just like I said, you got to figure it out. But I, I think you're in the situation right now where it's been so long, and he tried with the Sebastian Ajo offer sheet, it didn't work. I don't think you're working offer sheet. I think you just got to empty the vault, overpay for a center, and then you don't. You can go on and, and fix the rest of the team and fix the holes that you created by trading. Because you know what? You're bringing that in. You can create other holes in the organization. But I, I think at this point, that you really have to do it if you're going to be competitive and think you're going to contend with this team during the prime years, and they're still prime years, of Shane and Carrie. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. That's why he gets the big bucks. And as soon as somebody said overpaid, I'm like, ah, oh, God, I – I don't know if this is going to turn to a price situation or not. <laughs> With the way well, not, that's not overpaid from that, maybe not that, like from the money standpoint, but from an asset step standpoint, like you mm. mentioned, maybe oh. two first round picks, right? Maybe it's packaging a first and a second and a player, right, to do that to a, a team that's strapped for you know for cap space and stuff like that. So I don't think it's necessarily going out and paying because I don't think there's the player out there right now. If you look at the rentals. Right. There's three rentals, basically. Right. Uh, Junkie, Brio, Pajot, mm-hmm. um, Chris Kreider and Tyler DeFoley. That's that's the free agent rentals that that none of those players are going to be ten million dollar players. So you're not going to overpay for those players. Only one of them is center. And Pajot's had a great season. He's going to get overpaid by somebody because he's having an incredible season for Ottawa. The, the player that you have to obtain in Montreal is something you have to do with your assets, not with money. Right. And then me at some point in time, you may have to pay him. But I, I don't think the way the structure is right now. Look, you've got Tatar at a bargain at four eight. You've got Dano at three million. You know, Shea even you know even with that long contract, his cap's seven eight. Right? You yeah. don't really it, that you know the one big nut is obviously Carey Price. But I think you can. I think if you're a competent GM, you could have two ten million dollar players on your team in today's NHL and still have an effective team. Correct. And I he's been so. stockpiling picks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the other thing too. Got picks, got plenty thing. of got plenty of good players in the pipeline too. And you have people that, yo, uh, let's see, some, you know, RFAs and UFAs coming up. Or, I mean like the thing I'm always wondering about, which I think is an obvious choice to move if there was gonna be a deal, would be a Tatar. Gallagher, I think, would be a higher price to pay from people in Montreal for sure, but no, there's there's options and it's gonna be super interesting to see how all of that plays out in the coming weeks. Because when's deadline? Yeah, uh, February 28th or something? Or when's February that? February 24th. 4th. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Look, if you're going to trade for a number one center, it's going to be painful. Mm-hmm. Like, there's going to be at least one player that you guys like that's going to leave town. It's as simple as that. It, it doesn't It doesn't work like that because it's been, like I said, it's been so long since that type of player has been in Montreal. you got to figure out a way to do it. And if it's cost you Brendan Gallagher, as good as Brendan is, and I know you guys love him, he's a, he's a winger. And I always trade a winger for a center. Given the, the situation in Montreal, this is a Brendan Gallagher appreciation podcast, <laughs> by the way. And... <laughs> he was my first jersey. I get it. I understand it. I get it. Two thirty goal seasons. I get it. I understand it. It's tough. It's he came back from both of those hand injuries. We could just give him away. Yes, I, oh. you love him. He's great. I get it. Good guy. I mean, come on, but it's gonna, it's gonna be painful. For sure. It's gonna be interesting. I, mm-hmm. I still think that this yeah. season is gonna be really interesting for the Habs. I know that I'm in the minority, 
and I've been, <laughs> I've been, I've been given a pretty hard time about it. But I mean, hard time. Now. You've been broadsided. <laughs> You've been lambasted. <laughs> well, I'm used to it. But um, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. I don't know. I, I, I like a lot wrong. of what you have to say, Dennis. But about Thank Brendan you. Gallagher, no, please, God. No, you like. Uh, okay, well, all right. We all have our faith. <laughs> I see your point. The team needs one big run here. They, they, of the next 20 games, they got to win five in a row or something like that. That that gets them a little bit closer, you know, to the wild card spot. And then then the games will be interesting, right? I mean, they're a little. They, I mean, then look, Florida. They're six behind Florida, but Florida has two games in hand after tonight. So right. they they need to put a run together, right? And the fact that look, the fact that there is a chance to have a you know, to have serious games that mean something in March and April with two game eight game winless streaks in the season says a lot about the character of the team. And yeah. you mentioned you mentioned character at the top. This team has not quit. They're not quitting. They play hard every night. It's just like I'm, you know, just when you look at the lineup, you're saying, wow, there's a lot. Of, you know, it, it, there's a town gap right now when they go up and play. Even tonight, it's a great game by by Price. Um, Calgary's probably a little bit tired. Um, and um, it's just a pound for pound. The roster doesn't match up some nights, and that's 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 difficult. So you have to win the games like this. Like if you're gonna get a hot streak right now, it's gonna be winning games two one against Ottawa, two nothing tonight. You're not beating teams five four, right? If you get into five four games or high scoring games with this roster right now, you're gonna lose those games. So you gotta play a ghost of the fest. So if they, they are gonna win games here, get set for boring hockey. It's not gonna be like high end end-to-end hockey. It's going to be grind-out games. You're going to have to grind out games while they wait for their better injury players to come back. I'm fine with that. Okay, yeah. yes. <laughs> well, your, your friend Sean Campbell on Saturday night was complaining about, you know, he was expecting a really sloppy, exciting, you know, end-to-end kind of game between two teams <laughs> that have been had have had these long sort of losing streaks between Ottawa and Montreal, and instead he watched really boring hockey, and I was, yes. I was like... That's fine with me. Yes. I don't care. Two points. And a Let's fluky go, goal, baby. too. Right? Exactly. exactly. No. Oh, yeah. That, that's how they, they can't take chances. This team has to play controlled hockey. They have to be disciplined in their own end. They can't make. They can't have turnovers. It, it's the way it's going to be because they don't have the skill to outscore teams at this point in time. So they're going to have to play these boring games. It's as simple as that. So, so Sean better buckle up because there's a lot yeah. more of these games. <laughs> Sean, friend of the podcast. Sean Campbell. Yeah, at Sean he's Campbell. been on with us. <laughs> oh, he's the best. Yeah. Lovely guy. So isn't he Sean C. Campbell? Yeah, Sean C. Sean Campbell. R. Sorry. Sean R. That's Sean right. R. Campbell. It's one, of the Sean, it's one of the Sean Campbells on Twitter. You'll find one of them. Yeah. <laughs> so let's see. Um, he's the funny one. He is the funny one. We are starting to wind down on our time, actually, for the happy hour. Do we have, um, ladies, do we have anything else for uh, Mr. Bernstein here? I had a point that I wanted to make, but I think it went away. Damn oh, it. not again. I know. You made so many good points tonight, Veronica. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. And it's it Dennis, not Mr. Bernstein. Mr. Bernstein's my dad. I'm Dennis. <laughs> All right, Dennis it is. That's okay. Yeah, Dave. Yeah. I always get... Dave's been told a few times not to use the Mr. I always Mr. get corrected on that. Jesus, people. All right, so... <laughs> no, but, um, so, yeah, I guess uh, we'll start uh, wrapping up then. And, uh, Dennis, thank you so much for coming on to the Happy Hour. We're, thank we're, you. We're absolutely thrilled, and thank you for sharing uh, your experiences and uh, your insight uh, with the Habs with us tonight. We really do appreciate it. 
very much. Dave, Beth, Veronica, it was a pleasure. Anytime you guys want me on, I'm happy to come on. You guys are, are funny and awesome. So, And I love talking Habs hockey. So anytime you want me for the rest of the season, just reach out. I'll be happy to come on again. Oh, Dennis, yes, Sound, please. Sounds Thank absolutely you. great. Next, no next problem. Monday? Maybe the following week I'll be in. Uh, next, oh, yeah, maybe next Monday because the 27th I'm coming back from the All Star game. But uh, yeah, All just reach right. out. If I'm available, I'll do it. We'll be Thanks, in touch. Thank, Thank you, you so much, sir. Okay, gang. Great talking to you. Thanks it was for the fun. time. It was Thank fun. you. Have a good night. A lot of fun. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. And that was uh, Dennis Bernstein, not Mr. Bernstein, of nope. uh, the fourth period in L.A. That was cool. What a nice yeah, guy. Great energy. Very eh? nice, He's dude. got such a great yeah. energy. We have, um, we have five minutes to talk Habs. All right. Go, Beth. We're going streaking, baby. We're going streaking. Going streaking, pants off. Let's go. Uh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, mm. I got things. Where the fuck did my screenshots go? <laughs> Hold on. There there they are. I found them. Um, so first of all, the have nots are back. If you are not following Angela Price on Instagram, you're doing something wrong with your <laughs> You're doing something wrong with your life. <laughs> with your phone. <laughs> yeah, I just like I like ripped my headphone out. Um, <laughs> but the have nots are back. They started practicing for the first time and I think she said three weeks. Um Three weeks. I think that's what she's I the hell are they doing? That's all she said. They just said they're practicing. They didn't. There was. It was one picture. It was there were no videos. There was nothing else. It was like we're back. It's a struggle. I'm excited. It's a struggle. Right. Look, look David. <laughs> um, I did see that on Instagram actually. Yeah. Um, I'm probably gonna say this wrong, and I'm very sorry. Um, on Friday, January 31st, in Point Claire. That's how we'd say it in English. I don't know about that's, French. Yeah. Yeah, point yep. clear. Okay. Um, the Montreal Canadiens alumni will play a charity game. Um, the team will inc- – they're going to – sorry. First, they're, um, they're suiting up against the Nova All-Stars, a team of local old-timers. <laughs> um, that's what it says in the article. I didn't write that. Um, the Canadiens alumni team will include Patrice uh, Brisebois, uh, Pierre Dagenet. Yep, yep. Daniel. Dagenet. Dagenet. Uh, Mathieu. Mathieu. Yep. Uh, Dadino, Stefan Richet, uh, Richard Savigny. Savigny? Savigny? That sounds like it could be right. Savigny? Savigny, Savigny and yeah. Marc Andre Bergeron. Um, tickets are 10 bucks, and the game is a fundraiser um, for Nova West Inland, which is a nonprofit that organizes, a nonprofit organization that provides a range of free health services to the West Island. Um, a an official jersey signed by all the legends will be auctioned off, um, along with a raffle draw for prizes, including Habs tickets. I believe that Yvonne Cornoyer is coaching that team. Oh, cool! Oh my god! Yeah, so like ten bucks. I think yes, it's ten yes, bucks yes. Canadian. So that's really cheap. Yeah. So it's um, um it's a uh, you can follow the uh, let's see what the Twitter account is. It's uh, Ashian uh, the Canadian. And it is actually the same people that put together the fantasy camp that I went to. So at Anciencehce, so that's A-N-C-I-E-N-S-C-H-C on Twitter. And you can follow them along with all the information on what the uh, what the alumni are doing. And they always have a different team with whoever is available. And it's actually Steve Shutt that's coaching that particular 
um, oh, one. Cool. But Yvonne Cornoyer is a regular there. Uh, Guy Lafleur, when he's healthy, is also a regular with the group. It's a very cool organization. Yeah. Um, I found a cool little thing about uh, Max Domi talking about Ilya Kovalchuk. Um, he says that Ilya is one of the most positive guys in the room. Um, and he remembers always wanting to acquire Kovalchuk as a free agent on his team in the NHL video game. And said that having him on the team was like having a built-in glitch. If oh. <laughs> if Kovalchuk got the puck, it was basically an automatic goal. And I thought that was really cool. Um, there was there was more. Um, I think the article was from. Crap, I don't remember. I'm sorry. Um, it might have been thehabs.com. It might have been. I just I, I go on Google like and I look at the news section and. I read from there. Um, but I, there was a lot. He said a lot of things, and they were all good about Ilya Kovalchuk. Um, and then the last thing that I have is uh, Charles Houdon has been invited to the AHL All-Star Game in Ontario, California. Yes! Because he's um, been playing on fire, Yes, of course, he's, for Laval. Yes. He scored 14, 15 goals in 24 games, 7th in the league. Um, and everybody ahead of him has played more games than he has this season. Um, he also has two assists. He might not go because he's been playing through a lower body injury that he's been battling with, um, which is, which has um, had him seen on crushes and things like that. Um, so it's there's still no word on whether or not he'll accept the invitation, but he's been invited to go. Um, and for those people who don't remember or who are new, because we have new people, um, in 2015, yeah. um, Houdon was the co-winner of the AHL All-Star MVP Award with three goals and an assist in the final game. We're in the game. Sorry. But yeah, that's all the nice. Habs news that I have. Now for Habs Habs news, everything was terrible up until this weekend. For sure. I lost against the Jets. I lost against the Red Wings. I lost against the Oilers. And then, and then, the first win of 2020 to usher in the new decade came from a game winner from who else? Who None other than Ilya Kovalchuk in overtime against Ottawa to get the team back into the win column. And then today, of course, the shutout against the Flames. And here we are. We have uh, three more games this week until the bye week. That includes the Blackhawks and the Flyers in a back-to-back, -back, home and away. And then the Golden Knights are visiting this weekend. And um, Well... And just to dovetail a little bit on what you were just talking about, about um, Ilya Kovalchuk's game winner on Saturday, and then what um, what Dennis was saying, like what he said I, about him not being a cancer in the locker room. Oh, yeah. That, that just was look at the guy. bullshit that was going around. But when you see, when you saw him score, first of all, he has a very nice face. Yes. And, Super and nice that, face. Yeah, that scores a lot of points for me when i look at him i don't mistrust him he's got a nice face yeah but his teammates were so happy for him and, and he and was he, happy and he was happy and he was batting away like high fives and going in for the full hug he almost like, killed so... suzuki yeah <laughs> he took him out in the middle of the ice it was it was i'm i'm really happy to have him and i and i think that um, particularly um, the sort of the the bad year that he, or the bad time that he had in LA, and then 
you know, sort of kind of like the, the shitty start to this season where they weren't even playing him and he was just sitting there doing nothing. And it's sort of really demoralizing and, and, and sort of shitty. And then no other teams want you. And then you come to this group and he made a point of mentioning that last week about how well he's been embraced the minute he walked into that room. I don't, I, I, I mean, he could surprise me, Mark Bergevin, but I don't see him shipping this player out when he's got something special here. I mean, unless we're in a situation where, uh, you know, obviously you've got to do something at, at the trade deadline and clean out and be a seller or whatever. But um, I, I really love how he's fitting in on this team and I really love how his teammates love him. And Max Domi, my God, he's got a crush on him, like huge. Yeah. Who wouldn't? Yeah. It's Ilya Kovalchuk. Well, nobody? Of Atlanta. It's Ilya of Ilya of freaking Atlanta Thrasher fame. First round <laughs> pick. First Ilya overall. Kovalchuk. First overall yeah, in first 2001. Overall. <laughs> Do you guys know how old I was in 2001? Yesperi Kanyemi was one. No, he wasn't even born. <laughs> he wasn't. His birthday's in July. In July. <laughs> He didn't even understand the concept of Ilya no. Kovalchuk. <laughs> Amazing. It's awesome. I love it. It is pretty awesome. All right. We got to start wrapping up right now. Okay. We got to go. Good job, everybody. Good job, Philadelphia. Good job. Born and ri- Oh. <laughs> I was rapping. Good job, Habs. Good job, Ilya good Kovalchuk. Good job, Habs. Good job, Paling. Good job, Habs. Good job Suzuki. And good job, good Mark Bergevin. Good job. Yep. Good job, Jordan Wheel. Good job, Jeff Molson. Yep. Good, Good job, job. Mark Bergevin. Montreal. Price. Good job, Care motherfucking Price. Good job, Quebec. Good job, Steve Weber. Good job. Okay. Good job, Good Marco Scandella. Good job, Marco. Yeah. Good job, Good job, Victor Mete. Yeah, I, job, I liked Victor him Mette. tonight, too. Good job, Victor Good job, Kale Flurry. Oh, my God. Holy yeah. shit. I retweeted that hit and I just added a gift of just a man falling into a dumpster. It's just, it's just straight up. I mean, that, if there's. Ronaldo and Lucic. If there's a, a series of events worthy of an eggplant, there it is. Oh. <laughs> Alright, now we gotta go. Bye. Bye! Bye! Bye.